0: Welcome back. So we're talking uh, Passover, and, of course, we're talking the big announcement. We just announced. Yeah. Corey's elopement last week. Married. She's a married girl. We're talking about the 10th day and the significance of that. Micah 719 says this. It describes the sea of forgetfulness, and I love this. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. I mean, wow. He will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea I mean, have you ever thought about that? He sees our sins as our enemies. I mean, you would think that he would just have that sin attached to us, and it would, he would see the sin, and he would, he would just grow in anger, and but no. He sees the sin mm. as our enemies. And I love that, because it aligns us so well as we think about this 10th day, which, and, and beyond that, Palm Sunday, four days before Passover, Every family obtained a lamb so they could inspect it to make sure it was without spot or blemish. And this allowed each family to become attached to their lamb, treat it like a pet. Exodus 12, every man shall take for himself a lamb. In Exodus 12 also, your lamb should be without blemish. But then in Exodus 12, God says, he refers to the lamb of God, as if there was only one. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel will slaughter him at twilight. But here's what's interesting. That word him right there in Hebrew is Aleph Taf. If you've heard me teach that specifically, that is a uh, a, a pointer in the Hebrew language. It's, it comes before the subject or, or after the subject. It tells you what the subject is. And it's usually beside, obviously, always beside the name of God, but especially identifies the, the Messiah, and it always means the first and the last. So the tenth day is Palm Sunday, on this particular week, when he entered Jerusalem through the eastern gate, the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Why did they choose those words? The word Hosanna in Hebrew is Hoshinah, to literally save, please. And it's part of Psalm 118, one of six psalms of the Hallel, which is Psalm 113 to 118, these were the songs of praise and thanksgiving always used during this feast. Jesus would actually recite Psalm 118 during the Last Supper, and he would hear it echoing over and over while he hung on the cross. As was chanted by the priest, as they slaughtered hundreds of thousands of lambs. Now listen to the words that he wrote, you know, into the heart of David to write in the scripture, so they would be sung over him as he was dying. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And it actually ties back to the Passover there, too, because that name, the Lord, is where you get Yahweh or Jehovah. That special name that identifies this God as being the living God who created. So for four days, Jesus lived among the people before his crucifixion. Jesus was thoroughly examined and proved himself perfect, without defect, just like a lamb was. The whole crowd was amazed at his teaching, it says. The Pharisees and Herodians were amazed at him. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. And Peter, of course, declares Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He gets right to the point. In Luke 19, Jesus prays over Jerusalem. He saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus weeps only twice, once over Jerusalem and once over Lazarus. Both occasions are on the Mount of Olives, and they occurred relatively close time-wise and location-wise about a week apart. These two tearful scenes only make sense when you look at them together. Why did Jesus intentionally allow Lazarus to go through suffering and torment of death? And then weep over him if he was just going to raise him back to life. You know, for me, I, I think perhaps the suffering of Lazarus was a perfect shadow of the suffering coming upon Israel. And perhaps the tears of Jesus there were more significant than just tears for the death of a friend. Maybe he was weeping for all of us. Dead in sin with only one remedy. And that being himself. So this poignant moments with Lazarus was bigger and with Mary and Martha was much bigger than we know. Coming up, this word Passover. It's uh, actually placed in the Bible by an interpreter, but that's not really the word. I'll show you what it is coming up next.